Boy, y'all are fortunate this morning. Y'all have never seen Marlon looking so good. <laughs> no, really, I was supposed to have been cheering today, but I thought I was doing a good in service. So I got Marlon to switch with me. But I do have an announcement to make that's not in your bulletins. A good friend of mine, Gene Ford, is a member of a Lakeshore Baptist, is the one that organizes this annual school prayer walk. And that is this Tuesday at 6 o'clock in our church, or the, our uh, school that we pray over is right down the street. It's Bowley. It's been reconstructed. You know, it had a fire. Now they're back in their new really constructed building. So if anyone wants to join us Tuesday at 6 o'clock, we'll be, I don't think we'll go in this church, in the school, but we'll be walking around the outside just praying over it for the teachers, the administrators, the students, the whole thing that God will bless their efforts and keep them safe. So join us if you can. Morning, everybody. Morning. Joe Crawford, which he'll mess with you if you let him, but he was saying something to Gene and Donna about taking somebody out or something, and I said, well, if you take me out, I won't have to get up here and chair the service, so hurry up. <laughs> like to welcome each of you here, and uh, glad to see you. Hope you each had a good week. few announcements before we before we get into the into the service I did notice the insert of Samaritan's purse deal in the with our bulletin and uh, I think I saw some boxes in the back Don is eight people can get boxes start getting boxes and y'all know the routine and we'll I'm sure give updates along the way and and uh, look forward that's a Positive ministry and a and a bright spot for our church and 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 those who uh, benefit from it also on the receiving end. Today there will be a brief uh, council meeting following the morning service to approve nominations. Uh, so those of you involved in that. Uh, keep that in mind. Regarding giving, I'd like to just say a, a small bit about that. Um, and Ray has mentioned a couple times recently, and, and uh, first I'd like to commend the church as a whole for their giving during uh, basically the life of this church, as far as I know, it has been a very strong and giving church. And, uh, you know, there's been highs and lows, but overall very giving. And uh, usually somebody in my position, you get up here and you thank the church and uh, you want to be you know, hey, go team, go. Thanks for what you're doing. Let's keep it going, you know. Recently, we've, and like Ray has mentioned, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not in the 
in the depths of, of despair or poverty, but we are at a point to where if giving was increased, it would be a good thing. So those of you who are giving faithfully, we thank you. Those of you who maybe could up it a little, you know your heart, and you know God knows your heart, and I would just like to encourage you to do that. I was looking a little bit in the Bible. It says that love, and basically the Bible is, is a love story. Love is mentioned about 700 times. Giving is mentioned over 2,000 times. So just to put it in perspective, I think God puts a pretty high priority on giving. So, all righty. Before we go any further, let me share this, and this will be our opening, sort of a prayer, and then we'll get into singing. Jesus, thank you for becoming my salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sin and mistakes. Today I want to celebrate your power, humility, and abundant love. I want to give you the glory, honor, and praise that you deserve. Give me the courage to boldly shout like your cousin John that you are the one who takes away the sins of the world. In your name, amen. Won't you stand with us this morning? We're going to begin with Blessed Be the Name. <clears throat> Be the name. 
join together now. One no longer slaves.
the Lord. Amen. If you still are able, we we'll continue to stand and sing, My Faith Still Holds. Children, you may go to your classes now. prayer needs and uh, Brother Ray comes and, and prays with us. Um, one of those 2,000 references in the Bible to giving is found in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15. It says, Give generously and do not let your heart be grieved when you do so. And because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything to which you put your hand. There are several requests uh, mentioned. There was a couple put here on the deal, and I'm, I'm assuming that they're up to date. There's a uh, Eddie Smith, uh, pray for him, and then the Wallace family. Uh, their father apparently passed away, so remember, remember them. There's a, and, and death is a part of life and, and sickness and all that, but it seems like it's sort of an ongoing deal, um, close to home and, and away from us. Uh, here in our home, uh, our church home, uh, Jerry Crane and, and Larry Worsham in particular are having some tough times. and. Uh, Mary requests 
special prayer for Jerry. He's more excited about going to see Jesus than she is for him to go see Jesus. So uh, just keep keep all them in, in your prayers. Um, there's others mentioned. Um, our family lost a cousin. Uh, this past week, you know, farming, farming, excuse me, in a farming accident, and uh, just like to remember our family. Thank you, Marlon. I'll get this one on if you'll bow with me. Father God, as uh, Marlon said earlier, uh, you're a God of love. The book of the Bible is a, God, uh, a book of love. And in that love are instructions that are meant for our good, just as a loving father would give and we give to our children. And that loving Father cares about every need. You tell us that you know everything about us. You care about and are aware of even when a sparrow falls. You tell us that you know the number of hairs on our head. For some of us that's not a lot, but for some of us that is a lot. You know every single thing about us and you still love us. Such love is amazing. It's really, as you tell us in Ephesians 3, 16, it's really, uh, really too hard to understand, but we're, gonna, we're supposed to try to understand it. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon this place and upon the folks back home, the ones watching online, whatever's going on in their life at this moment, that your Spirit would fall upon them and give them your peace and your assurance that you love them and also assurance, Lord, that you're sitting on the throne and you're in control. Lord, I need to know with all we hear in the media and all we see in our country, I need to know you're still in control. And that gives me a lot of assurance. Father, as we see things, may we still put our faith in you. And Lord, we experience tough times on this side of glory. We live in a fallen world. And Lord, especially when an accident falls. And God, I just pray in a mighty way you'd continue to be with the Mitchell family. Uh, Lord, all the family over in Alabama, everybody affiliated with that accident. Lord, I pray you'd also be with the uh, Williams family. Lord, and all those in loss. There's others, Lord, that I'm not aware of. God, we're, we love Larry Worsham so much. We thank you for his dedication and for him being here. And God, I've prayed before and we corporately join together in praying you just touch him in the name of Jesus. Be with him. Guide him. We believe that you're able to do beyond what we can even ask or think. So we ask that for him, for Jerry Crane, for every name that is on this list. We also rejoice, Lord, that Brother Lowry turns 95 Tuesday, and he still loves you, and he's faithful, and he's here. 
Can we be encouraged by his dedication to be here in spite of health, in spite of age, Lord God, and the joy that he gives us and the encouragement. Lord, there's many that are traveling today too. We pray for safety as they come home. We've heard from them this morning and they want to be here. But God, we pray for rejoicing in that. Be with Carvin as he speaks. Be with this message this morning. Lord, every burden, every need, we lay at your feet. That name that's on our heart, we cast to you. What a great place to leave it. And God, I need you, so I ask that you just anoint us all in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to kind of cover a couple things and uh, then get going. We got a council meeting today. And uh, like you already heard, they're going to have the kickoff for the shoe boxes back there, get that going next week. I think we'll have a video. I want to follow up, especially for folks online, with something Marlon said earlier about the financial needs, ups and downs. Yes, this church has been historically really faithful. Appreciate that. I know probably I'm preaching to the choir, but I want to clarify just to make sure you understand. The church uh, is... is uh, been hit with about right at $40,000 of unexpected expenses with repairs and some other circumstances. So most folks can't take that and not at least go, uh-oh, we better tighten up, straighten up, which is what we did on the budget. We tightened up and, uh, and ask everybody to make sure each person's doing their part. So that's what we're, we're looking at. We will actually get you a copy of the budget and the ballot Wednesday night. And that meets our two week ahead of time. Uh, we're going to have our business meeting a little early. We're going to have it October the 12th. So that's just about two weeks from Wednesday night. Hard to believe. October already. You better go Christmas shopping. It's crazy how fast that is. But, uh, and also if you get a chance, tell Brother Lowry you're glad he made it. And uh, I don't know if he... You might have to speak a little loud, but encourage him this morning as well. If you take your outlines, and I hope you got one there, I'm excited to share the message the Lord's laid on my heart. I started a sermon series last week called uh, "Making The Making of a Person of God. So this is not just a man of God, a woman of God, it's a youth of God as well. And so I appreciate all of you uh, listening. I appreciate all of you uh, being attentive, and uh, with Brooks' help, we'll try to make it through this this morning, okay? Uh, are there any risk takers in the room? Anybody want to say they're a risk taker? Yeah, a couple, I think so. Uh, you might not want to admit it. How about the opposite? Are there any security seekers here? They just really want, okay, a couple of those as well. Uh, have you ever noticed that many spouses are the opposites? in these things and I think that's what God has in mind and I think if anybody doesn't believe God has a sense of humor hey Quint could you turn the air conditioner the one that works down I don't know if we can or if we can adjust it but I'm feeling it and I'm seeing some some of that so if we if we can get the one down and praise the Lord it's supposed to turn cool this week and about the time the new one comes in we won't need it so there you go uh, 
you know, I know a couple where one of them drives the speed limit, one of them follows the rules, one balance the checkbook, you know, um, the house and the shop are stocked and everything in the pantry, you know, and then the other spouse, speed limits are suggested, their suggestions, generality rules, if the ATM works, the checkbook's good. You know, if you go to the ATM and it puts, everything's fine, they don't understand there's over withdrawals and all that stuff. Um, you know, when they're hungry, they go to the store or the, or the restaurant, and when they need a tool, they go buy one, you know. So there are definitely opposites out there. And you know, it's kind of neat. We need one another sometimes to rub each other and to grow. It can be frustrating, but that's how we are uh, as well. But you can hold on to security too much. Obviously a wild risk taker, it's easy to preach sermons on that and not planning and all that. But you can be a little crazy as a security uh, person as well. Eileen Gundry says security seekers can live uh, on bland food to avoid an ulcer their whole life. They can avoid coffee, Cokes, or any stimulant in the name of health. They can go to bed early and vo avoid all nightlife. They can avoid controversial subjects so as not to give offense. They can mind their own business, avoid involvement in other people's problems, spend money uh, only on necessities and save every penny they can and they could still get up in the morning, slip in the tub, break their neck and pass away. And probably would deserve them right because they're too, you know what I mean, they're too tight. They're too tight. Uh, that probably is right. And I've discovered God often calls us out of our comfort zones. Do you agree with that? So I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. So what area of security, comfort might God be calling you out of? I want you to think about that because we're going to end with that. God might be, what is it that maybe is there that God, not Ray Owens, God is calling you out of or trying to challenge you? And that's what's involved in becoming a person of God. All the people in the Bible that you read, God called them and the ones we read about did it. You know what I'm saying? The critics and the ones that didn't, you really don't hear about that. Let's turn uh, to our text there. It's on your outline this morning. Matthew 14, 22, 33. Everybody knows this story. Heard it in Sunday school. Uh, last week was the fish when Jesus called Peter. Today's kind of continuation of, of Peter as well. And uh, verse 22, Matthew 14, NLT original. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. I want you to remember that. Jesus made them get in the boat and told them to go to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. By the way, if Jesus needs to pray, what does that say about us? Oh, <laughs> we need to be praying. When the evening came, he was alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. This is in the Sea of Galilee where I told you storms come suddenly. During the fourth watch of the night, about 3 a.m. is what that would be, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. They haven't seen Ghostbusters. They didn't know all the movies that we've seen. They were scared to death, and I believe they truly were. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the way, water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. What a beautiful story. I'm sure all of you, again, have read it many times, heard it many times in the other Gospels as well. Wouldn't you want to be there for that? I'd like to have seen that. Uh, I, I wonder if you would have been one of the ones in the boat, or would you have been like, Peter, let me go out in the boat? Or maybe today we'd had our phone video in it. You know, that's the, <laughs> the modern way that we do. So we can post it and get likes or whatever. And you'd get some on that one. I'm telling you, you would definitely get some on that. You know, sooner or later, God's going to call you to get out of your boat. Do we have any boat potatoes here? As a pastor, long term, we have church potatoes. We have couch potatoes. And yeah, we have boat potatoes. You know, we get comfortable where we are. And we get very comfortable in where we are. And all I want to say is Jesus sometimes is calling us out. And, you know, we might say, Lord, my boat's rocking. The Lord, you know, said, did, by the way, the Lord sent them to the other side. Do you think he knew this was going to happen? Of course. This was a planned deal, okay? And God wants you and I sometime not only to get out of the boat, but to experience more, truly. And then we are his hands and feet. This is, this is crazy. In fact, as a pastor, I love this all the time. Uh, God chose the foolishness of preaching. And he chose his bride to be the church, which are people. So we become his hands, his feet, his mouth. He chose us. And yet, you go, Lord, I don't think I'd pick me. <laughs> you know, who are you going to pick? The Lord calls, you know, he calls out to us to be this and to walk on water. And I really believe today with all my heart, he's calling you and me in our life to do the impossible. I hope and pray in your life, it's already happened. And I pray until you breathe your last breath, it'll happen again. I pray for you at home that somewhere in your life, something impossible that needs to happen that's God's will, it's great to put trust in him. He use you in it and the impossible happens. God does the work, but he chooses to work through us. Isn't that awesome? I think that's neat. I think God wants us to live life to the fullest and live by faith. The song we sang, you know, it's by faith, it's not by sight. So I challenge you that. So, number one, where might Christ be calling you? The challenge is for you this morning just to open your heart and really say, Lord, where are you challenging me? The first one is, make sure it's really Jesus calling you, 
calling before you jump overboard. Do you agree with that? Make sure it's really Jesus that's calling you to jump overboard. I think that deserves an amen. In verse 28, it's night, it's stormy, the waves, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come into the water. I have to give Peter a lot of credit. You know, they knew it. They heard his voice, so they pretty well knew it. But Peter wanted to make sure it was Jesus. That's the first point I think is so important. Peter didn't see Jesus, you know, clearly storm and all that, you know, and he looked at him and he didn't say, if Jesus can do it, I can do it. You know, he wasn't trying to be cocky about it. Peter made sure who it was and then he asked him, can he come out? And I think that's a good paradigm and a good guidelines for us to make sure when something comes to us that's kind of out there or really by faith that we make sure God's the one calling. And I'll talk about that a good bit as well. You know, if Jesus is not in it, Peter would have been in real quick trouble. And he would have been in major trouble. Um, because those storms are very violent and the waves were so much it was scaring them. In fact, they weren't making much headway. Uh, on this trip and it would have been really really bad and if Jesus is not in what we start if Jesus is not in my ministry if Jesus is not in what we're doing here then we're, we're really in trouble so we need Jesus in it and that's what we need to do I've got on your outline I think yeah quote just because it's risky doesn't mean that it's of God it could just be a very 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 bad idea and all of us in here have had bad ideas. I've had good ideas that later got patented, patented, but God didn't want me to be a billionaire. You know, I had a great idea, and I, you know, I might have even wrote it down somewhere, and somebody later invents it, and I, you know, and, and I go, I had that idea. But I bet every idea that's ever been created, everything ever made, somebody's just the same way. But we honor those who go on and follow through and do that as well. Notice your text there, 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. In other words, make sure God's in it. So how do you know? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got some things on your outline there to help you with that. Okay? This is real three simple, super simple you would be shocked at how many people do not understand these. The first is, how do you know Christ is calling me to move, to buy a new car, to buy a house, to change jobs, definitely to date someone or marry someone or whatever? First of all, is it confirmed by God's Spirit within me? This is a spiritual maturity question. You know the four spiritual laws... There's a throne on your life and if you've made Jesus Lord and he's sitting on the throne of your life, you really strive to ask him anything. You know, I don't think, I know he cares if you go into a, a quick shop or a, a stop, stop and rob type store, you know what they call them, the quick ones they joke about. You know, he, he cares if you, what you go in there, but he's not that concerned whether you buy Diet Dr. Pepper, regular Dr. Pepper, whatever, you know. But bigger decisions and things that are life important, he's very, very concerned about those. He's concerned about everything, but those are real important things. And so, can you tell if it's self and ego, or can you tell if it's of God? 
And that's the first thing. Something in your heart tells you that. Now that's not good enough alone. If you live totally by that alone, there's a good chance you might make a mistake. But we have the second one. We have the plumb line. And that is, is it confirmed by principles in God's Word? There's some things in God's Word it clearly says. And we still mess that up. There's many things in God's Word that when you read the whole thing, it points you in a good direction. Like going to a movie. The, the Word of God doesn't say, you can't go see this movie. Yes, you can go see this movie. There are people that believe you can never go see a movie. And there's people that live in the movie theater, you know. Uh, and what you do is you take the principles of God. You check the reviews. You can check plugged in movie reviews and check other things like you would for your kids before you take them. And if Hollywood's in it, you better check it, you know. You, you have to be careful. So God's Word. What am I feeling? Is it scripturally sound? Is there anything in what I'm doing that violates God's Word? Recently I had a couple tell me that their children were saying God told them to buy a very, very expensive home, though they knew the husband was about to lose their job. And their reasoning was, well, we got approved for the loan, so it's okay. No. That is humanly crazy, and that's not of the Word of God. The Word of God talks about you plan out, you meet your obligations. It also says, as Marlon said, you give God the first 10%, and you live on the other 90, or I like to live on the 80, personally. Um, and, and so, you know, there's things in God's Word that talk about that. And by the way, oh, I don't have to pay that bill. I don't have to. No, God's Word said if you owe somebody, you, you pay them. You're indebted to them. If you gave your word, if you shake your hand, if you say, yeah, doesn't matter what the law says, it's important that we follow God's word. In relationships, oh my goodness, have I heard this. You know, I'm falling in love with this person. I know they don't go to church. I know they're not even a Christian, but I'm falling in love with them. Well, what does the Bible even say about that to start with? Anybody got an idea? Do not be unequally yoked. It talks about even who you run around with in your inner circle. Well, it don't get no more inner than your spouse. You know, it's, it's just clear. Those things are clear. I had a person one time contact me. Uh, I'm going to get a divorce and all this. And, and I, you know, I want you to bless it. And I said, well, I have a problem with that because the Bible says God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people, but he hates the concept of divorce. I can't support that. I mean, there's some biblical reasons, you know. This one was, I just don't like them anymore. Um, and, you know, I think you gave a vow. I mean, I think we need to work toward this. And by the way, I've seen some marriages. There is no way I even believe they would happen. But they fought for them, and they ended up having the best marriage ever. It is With God, impossible is possible. It can happen. So I wasn't condemning them, but I couldn't bless something that the Word of God says. And there's times I've wanted to bless things, but the Word of God's clear. Right now, it'd be very popular if we didn't have the Word of God talking about the issues that are on the media every day about, you know, uh, homophobia and all those things. But the Bible's very clear. <laughs> Read my lips. <laughs> no new taxes, right? <laughs> the Bible's real clear. That went over everybody's head. That's okay. We'll go to number, the, the third one. So, you're going to confirm it with a spirit within you. You're going to check the Word of God. And thirdly, confirm by the wise, godly counsel. 
or advice of godly people that you know. Now, here's real important. Every one of you and I can pick a friend that'll tell us what we want to hear. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about picking somebody that you know, knows God, loves God, knows the Bible, and here's the, th the, the real important one. Loves you enough to tell you the truth. I've learned you're not popular when you do that, but I will tell you this, you are respected. I don't really, I wish I was more popular than I am, I mean, I, I guess in one way, but I really more than anything want to be respected. That's what I want. I want to be somebody to the best of my failures, strives to tell the truth or just love on people and not tell them the truth because they can't handle the truth, <laughs> you know, maybe. But if you're seeking that out, it's important. Proverbs says there's victory in the counsel of many advisors. You can read Proverbs, it goes all the way through where Solomon's talking about how many times you need counsel, how many times you need advice. So, make sure it's Jesus calling and it's not just something crazy and you confirm it with the Spirit, the Word of God, and godly counsel. Second, sometimes to step out with Christ you have to leave some others behind. I love this. Sometimes when you step out with Jesus, there'll be some others you leave behind. In fact, most of the time you step out with Jesus, you're going to leave others behind. I'm going to be honest with you. How many people were in the boat? We think 12. That could have been one or two of them not there, but 12. How many stepped out of the boat? One. How many heard his voice? All of them. Okay. And I can guarantee you that when Peter stepped out on the boat, the others were not happy. Who does he think he is? Water walker? <laughs> He's going to the ghost. <laughs> you know. The moment you attempt something great for God, I promise you there's going to be criticism. Criticism. And I said earlier... I have personally never seen huge statues made to criticizers. Here stands Ray Owens, the greatest criticizer of all. When he left the room, the lights came on. Let us honor him. No, that ain't going to happen. And I bet all of you know somebody, when they leave the room, you go, I hope that's not you. Uh-oh. Look at the text. Luke 14. Great crowds were following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Wow. Sometimes that's literal, y'all. friend of mine who's in ministry that many of you know his name, I won't say, was raised in a town in Ohio. And his father, his brothers, all his aunts, I mean uncles, all worked at a factory there. It was one of those, you know, good old factory towns that, that are all over Pennsylvania and Ohio and all that. And God got a hold of him in his high school years and really led him to the Lord in a powerful way. So he sat at a table and told uh, his family that he was thinking he was feeling called to the ministry. Now they were members of church. But, you know, that wasn't a real good. He said, I want to go to college. I want to be a minister. Nobody had ever been to college. 
even thought about being in the ministry. And they were pretty upset. And he remembers his mother going, you are not going to college. You're going to stay here and go to work just like your dad does, like your brothers are, you know, and you're all going to go that way. And man, this took a lot of guts. But he said, I'll never forget when I said, Mom, I love you. If you can't support me, I understand, but I have got to do what God's calling me to do. And this has been a month-long agonizing decision, and I've surrendered to it. Y'all have heard the term surrendered to ministry? In other words, I've said, Lord, you, Lord, you're calling me. I believe it's true. I surrender. I surrender all. So that can happen as well. Thirdly, be ready when God calls your bluff on faith. This one's kind of funny. Be ready when God calls your bluff on faith. So they're all afraid. And I wonder if Peter really meant what he said when he says, if it's you, call me out. Well, either way, God called his bluff and said, yeah, come on. <laughs> I guarantee just for a minute he went, uh-oh. We have all done that. We've all committed and we've done that. And, you know, we've been together in a body of worship. We've been, it hadn't even been that long ago. I was about ready to quit this. I'm supposed to be retired, you know, 50 times. I mean, all this stuff and just going crazy. And I was about ready to resign. I have positions everywhere and all these boards you're on and stuff. And I was about ready to resign. And then, you know, God speaks to you and, and speaks to you. And, you know, maybe you've been in a worship service and he spoke to you and said, Lord, I'll, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want to do. I'm yours. Lord, if you'll just do this. Lord, if you'll just let this happen. And he does. I'm reminded of a few pastors. I am not a golf player. I played with my father-in-law is a great golf guy, great, way up there. And even in his 80s, is good. And in his 70s, he could blow me away. Uh, and so I would play golf to go with him. And then occasionally pastors that play golf. So I'd go with him. So I have a set of clubs. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and but, but I'd play with them. And I know there was three pastors that were playing go golf. And they got to the 18th hole. And one of the pastors was down by a stroke. And he was kind of far away. And the you can't putt that. You have to chip. It's a little thing. You chip it up and it goes on. Very low probability you could hit it in the hole. The other guy just has to make a short putt to win. The only way that this pastor, uh, let's just call him Pastor uh, Don. Pastor Don can't the only way he wins, so he stops, he's, he's kind of a cut up, and this is a true story. He said, oh Lord, you know how faithful I've been to you, you know, he's just cutting up. I've lived much more holy life than Brother Bob over there, much more, oh Lord, much more. Lord, I'm not asking for much in life, but if you let me chip this in and win, Lord, I'll be a missionary for you in Uganda. And he chipped it, and it went in. Uck, oh. You know, it was one of those things he was so excited and everybody went crazy about it, but it kind of backfired on him. Because then everybody's like, I want to be around when God calls, <laughs> calls in that, that, that return, you know, when he's calling in that note, if you will. Every once in a while, we make a claim to God and he's going to test us on it. Look at there in your outline, James 2. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was 
declared right with God because of what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see, he was trusting God so much he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. Let me stop a minute. I believe with all my heart, God was never going to let Isaac be killed. That never was in the deal. Why was Isaac chosen? It was what Abraham worshipped the most. That was the test. It could have been gold for some people. It could, you know what I mean? It could have been anything, but that's what it was. Notice he says, his faith made him complete by what he did, his actions. In other words, he said no to what he wanted and he followed God with what he said. So if God's willing to call that chip in, just be careful. Be very, very careful in what you choose because God might call your bluff. Number four, keep your eyes on who holds you up, not what brings you down. This is hard, but this is great advice. Keep your eyes on who holds you up, not what brings you down. Peter stepped out. He's walking on water. I believe Jesus is laughing. One of my favorite pictures of Jesus, you can Google it, is laughing Jesus. You've got to see that picture. There's several, but one's preeminent. I believe Jesus laughed a, a lot. Uh, yes, he had sorrows and he was acquainted by sorrows. But I believe he laughed, laughed many, many times. There's many things you can see just working with Peter. So Peter went from being a boat potato to a water walker. And then Peter made a fatal mistake. And I've done it and you've done it. He took his eyes off of Jesus. It's easy to do. Because in life, we get saved. Maybe we have another moment. We get sanctified. We just get filled with the Spirit. God's moving in our life. And then life's going to hit us with stuff. Waves are going to be around. Stuff's going to hit us. Just, you know, last night I got some kind of bad news. You know, and it hits you. And it, it's just going, Lord, you know, and it hits you. That's just normal. That's how things are. But you got to cognitively and in every way you do, put your eyes back on Jesus. And remember, he's on the throne. That is so powerful and so amazing. So what do you do? He looked at the waves. And as soon as you look at the waves, you're going to sink. I, some of you know I had a Harley Davidson motorcycle. The church actually bought me one about 20 years ago. And I had some health issues. And then I was able to ride. And we took ride a lot of pastors. I mean some long... 2,000, 3,000 mile rides. We'd take, you know, go to Anderson and then go somewhere. And I loved them. Many times I'd have two to three pastors and two to three heathens. Or as my dad called them, heathens. Um, and it was great. We had a good time. You know, we loved the Lord. We witnessed. Uh, we had some life change. We, we, I got to see life as it really is. It was really neat. But when you take the advanced rider's course, I learned it'll make you a better driver too. If you're riding a motorcycle, particularly in the mountains around curves or anything, but even going down the road, if uh, an armadillo or any animal comes up and if you look at it, guess what? You have a super high probability of hitting it because you'll go where your eyes are. I'll never forget that teacher telling me that. and He said, test me, try it. What you do is you notice it coming and then you look where you want to go and that's where you'll go. And you know what? I've never hit one. I've had them come out, deer, all kinds of things. I notice them 
and I look for, now we're not talking way ahead, slow down. Not like, I'm going to give it gas and go where I'm going. I don't mean that. Not crazy. But that's a neat thing about life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the fact he's on the throne, that he's sovereign. Keep your eyes on the fact you know he called you one day. Remember that day you were saved. Remember those good times. Keep your eyes focused on that and you go, you know what? I can make it through. And if you can't remember that, you can read some stories in the Bible and get re-fired up about if God did it for them, he can do it for me. Amen? God's no respecter of persons. And I think we like have, okay, we have antidepressants sitting right by our bed. I hope you got a Bible somewhere by your bed or on your phone. Meaning you can turn to it and read a story and be encouraged by God's spirit. That's what I'm talking about. It's available to us all the time. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. By the way, when he was sinking, was Jesus still there? Uh-huh. Peter's faith just kind of took his eyes off him and began to slip. And Paul puts it in Hebrews. I think I have it on your outline. Yeah. Let us fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So that's what the Word of God is. I remember speaking of Goff... Um, Arnold Palmer, superstar golfer, was way ahead on a golf tournament and all he had to do was sink in a little putt and win the whole thing. And somebody hollered to him in the gallery. It's happened several times. And no offense, they mean well, but they're, anyway, a lot of people mean well. Or let's be Southern, bless their hearts. And it was an old high school friend who'd come to see him play his 18th hole of a three day, three times hole, and he happens to wait till then to holler at him. So he goes over, sees him, they hug, they laugh, they talk, they make an appointment to see each other. What's wrong as he walked back? He was concentrating, he was into the game, he was into the groove, he was focused, he took his eyes and his focus off the game, and he missed the putt. It wasn't bad, it was maybe two million or something. I mean, it wasn't like 20 million, you know. Uh, and I know it wouldn't have bothered any of y'all either. Uh, but still, it's the principle of the thing. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes something good can distract you. Something good, but you gotta remember what's best. And, you know, sometimes as a pastor, I've come in and and I'll tell you one reason I don't come real, real early, sometimes on Sunday morning, I live, eat, and breathe my sermon. When I get focused on it, I'm focused on it. And I don't need to come in and hear, oh, so-and-so just, you know, told me off. And, you know, somebody just quit the church. And by the way, the dogs just ran in the church. And we've got dogs running around. You know, I mean, I don't need to hear all that, whatever's going I need to focus on it. Then as soon as I'm done, I'll sit right there and you hit me with everything, <laughs> you know. You know, I'm just saying sometimes, and I don't want to be uh, tough, I, I'm just being honest, sometimes you have to be focused on what God's called you to do and what he does, and there's a time for things and not getting distracted. And I'm going to tell you, we, we've got to realize that keep our eyes on Jesus who brings us that, that hope and brings, you know, brings us up, not the one that brings you down. Finally, trust the net of his sovereignty and grace. Notice the text there, or scripture there in Psalm. But you are a shield around me. You bestow glory 
on, my, on me and lift up my head. Psalms 3, 3. Trust the net of his sovereignty and grace. So, you know, when he took his eyes off G Jesus, he began to sink. But we also need to know Jesus is still there and he's not going to let you go under. Okay? So when you and I fail, and I have and you have, when we fail, he, he's still there. He's still there. Even if we mess up. I was thinking of hermit crabs on the beach. And the only time they leave their shells, two reasons. When they get, it gets, pressure gets built up on them because their shell's too small. And they need to go find another shell. They steal shells, by the way. Okay, they don't have to worry about mortgage. They just go get another, another home, you know. When the pressure and, and all, and, and when they decide to grow, they come out and then the pressure and they'll keep growing. And I thought about that and I thought that we're in a shell sometimes and we come out when we decide to grow. And if we stay in our comfort zone, we're not going to grow. Sometimes we need to come out and grow. And God wants to move us to new territory. And you know what he does? I think he puts pressure on us. Sometimes when we feel that pressure and we know we ought to do it, or that urging or that nagging, it's to grow. And you know what? You can be 95 years old like Brother Lowry. You can be an invalid at home and God can still do great things for you. You can become a prayer warrior. You can call somebody. You can write a card. Sister Shirley wrote me one. Sister Mary's written some. Those are blessings. You can do things. You can send a text. You can post. You can do anything when you just think of somebody. Whatever it is God's got for you, you don't have to be going to Uganda. <laughs> you know? It's what God has for you. It might be Uganda. You know? So the text, who told the disciples to go to the lake and to get in the boat? Jesus. Jesus is sovereign, so he knew the storm was going to be there. Here's what I'm saying. In my life, when I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a tendency to think God's going, you know, we think God goes, God, you didn't know this. This is crazy. Look what I'm dealing with. <laughs> God doesn't get shocked. God's aware what we're going through and he's aware what I'm going to go through ahead of time. Who said to Peter, get out of the boat? Jesus. And he knew it was going to be a storm. It was all planned. It was all there. And I believe Jesus was so happy when Peter got out of the boat and was walking. And I don't think Jesus was surprised when he started stink, uh, sinking Start to say stinking, sinking. <laughs> so what did Jesus do? Grabbed him. It says immediately he grabbed him. He didn't let him go under. That ought to turn you on. Unless you're dead. Take a breath. <sighs> okay, you're still alive. That ought to turn you on. Why? No matter how much you mess up, no matter what the storm is, no matter you take your eyes off of him at the moment of glory or whatever, He's always going to be there. He's not going to let you go down. And if you do go under, he's going to pull you back up. That ought to excite you. No matter what you're doing, wherever in life you are. It excites me. It's what I have to depend on. I think Jesus told him, look, I'm proud of you, dude. But what was all this for to get Peter ready? This is the same guy that, you know, denied him 
and what all happened. But in the end, when the Holy Spirit came on him and Jesus gone, he preaches and thousands get saved. He stands up to people 20 times more educated than he was. He's a fisherman and a kind of ADHD rough man's man. And he's standing up to the Sanhedrin and they go, who nobody speaks like this. In other words, he had to go through these tests and these struggles and these things to have the faith and to fully understand. And that's sometimes what we are in life. I don't think God puts things on us. I think he, all he has to do is just allow it. <laughs> we live in a pretty fallen world and a lot of things happen. But he never wastes an opportunity when something bad happens to turn it around for your good. All things work together for good if you trust him and you depend on him. So sometimes I've had to say, Lord, I'd like to see how you're going to turn this into good. My goodness. I want to close, I think, at the bottom of your outline. Don't be afraid of God's nudges. I love this. He has two hands. One he uses to push you and the other he uses to catch you. So, all right, Ray, get out there. You can do it. Woo, tripping. Whoop, back up here. All right, let's try this again. Try this again. Let's go this way. <laughs> if you're honest this morning, I bet you God's nudging you. I hope you hear God's vo voice this morning. And so I have another one. It's God calling you to step out. Step out of whatever comfort zone it is. I think from sometimes... In life he does. He might use music. Please be listening to Christian music a lot. You know. Please have. You know. I, I love to listen to sermons obviously. Uh, you know. You know. When you read his word. And you study it. Whatever. When you're in church. Just say Lord I'm here. Speak to me. Always do that. I think God calls much more than we respond. And I know that because his word said. Many are called, few choose. So we know that's true. So would you bow your heads? We're just going to close right now. Lord, where are, your call, where are you calling me? I trust you as Savior. I trust you as Lord. Can I trust you to serve you? Can I trust you to lead me? Can I even trust you in the ministry that you're calling me in? God, help me trust you more. Help me know that if you call and I fall, you'll lift me up. Help me to be willing to step out and make a difference. I want to move from a church potato to active in the kingdom, God. Please give me that faith to trust you more. Father, seal the words that you've laid on each heart. Seal them by your Holy Spirit. Encourage every person this morning in this place, and Lord, whenever they hear it online, Encourage them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.